Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever it is when you are um, hearing this message. This is Reverend Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and we are in today's edition of Bible Bites as we continue to read through the scriptures every day, and I just like sharing what uh, insights the Lord may give me, and I hope that these are all an encouragement to you. They help give you direction or understanding in some of the things that you're reading, and that God will use it and strengthen you through these messages. So I want to um, to just go into our reading today. My reading for today is found in Ezra chapter 4 through 7. And so I just want to point out a few things about this. We saw how um, Ezra in the first three chapters has spoken about how they came back to rebuild the temple. The work got started. The foundation was laid. And so they're working along. Well, chapter 4, guess what? Whenever God's project starts going... The devil will always try to stop it. There will always be opposition. And so that's what we read about in uh, chapter 4 and so on for, for a couple of these chapters. That opposition arises. And I want to point out a few things about opposition here. We learned this, and these are some of the tactics that the devil used then, and he still uses now against the things of God. First of all, it says in verse 2, that they came to Zerubbabel and the heads of the father's houses and said to him, Let us build with you, for we seek your God as you do, and we have sacrificed to him since the days of Esardahadon, king of Assyria, who brought us here. Okay, I believe that was lies, but he tries to seduce them with trickery. He tries, you know, Jesus talked about in the New Testament about tares growing up with the wheat. And so the devil will try to kind of get weasel his way in and then he'll begin to stir up trouble from the inside if we let him but Zerubbabel and Yeshua or Joshua and the rest of the heads of the father's houses of Israel said to him you may do nothing with us to build a house for our God but we alone will build to the Lord God of Israel as King Cyrus the king of Persia has commanded us that's in verse 3 of chapter 4 and I love it because apparently God gave them wisdom and discernment to understand that they were not to be a party to this, this project of God. Well, guess what? Then they try to, let's, let's see what they do next. So when they didn't get inside, notice what they try to do from the outside. Verse 4, then the people of the land tried to discourage the people of Judah. They troubled them in building and hired counselors against them to frustrate their purpose all the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, even until the reign of Darius, king of Persia. Notice their consistency and their persistence in their opposition. Beloved, the devil hadn't changed his tactics. If he can't get inside to create trouble on the inside, he'll try to do all he can from the outside to discourage us, to get us to stop, to, um, to you know, slow us down in our work, to frustrate the work, and he's determined to try to fight us as long as it takes. And so we need to be sensitive to God's spirit. We need to be discerning, and we need to know that we walk in victory and, and receive the authority that we have as believers in Jesus Christ. And we'll talk about that more when we get into some of the New Testament and find out more about that. But we, we are not at the mercy of the devil. Our God is the God who fights for us and who encourages us, and we can continue forward in his name. Hallelujah. So then they, they decide, okay, well, we'll go to the higher-ups. We'll go to the king. 
we'll go to the various kings and we'll tell them, uh, we'll remind them of how much trouble these people caused in the past. Uh, because if you'll remember when the Syrian captivity began and, Be and Nebuchadnezzar and those, they, they were rebellious against them. Some of them were. And, um, and so it caused some problems. And because of their forsaking of the Lord, God brought that judgment upon them in the first place. But they don't care about that. They just want they just want the king to know, well, these people have been rebellious in the past and you know, they've done this and they've done that and they've refused to serve the kings and honor them and you know, they've tried to rebel and all this stuff. And so, you know, this king sends it back and he says, Okay, make them stop. All right? And so they were held up for a while. Now, you know, Haggai, the prophet is sent to them during this time and, you know, reminds them you know, God didn't tell you to stop. God wanted you to keep going, that kind of thing. But because they had feared this king and his report, and, and the people came to him and says, by order of the king, you've got to stop. Beloved, we serve one king, and his name is Jesus Christ. But in those days, they got discouraged by that, and the work stopped. And it stopped for quite a while. But God saw fit. He had two men, particularly at that time, that were prophesying the word of the Lord to them. And that was Haggai and Zechariah. And we have those books in our word of God. And we'll get to those books uh, in a little while. But just remember that they were during this same time. Their prophecies were during this time. And Haggai is one specifically that says, why aren't you building my house? Get back to work. It's time for my house to be rebuilt and restored. And the eye of the Lord God was upon them, hallelujah, so that, uh, so that they could do the work and they didn't have to stop until they heard back from Darius the king. So they sent him this letter. And, uh, and so he, he looked and he researched, and sure enough, in the records he found the, the decree of Cyrus that was telling them to go back and build the house and you know, take the articles. He sent the God's holy articles back. He even said, let it be paid out of the treasury. Whatever you need, we'll support you. We'll help you. And everybody over across the river, I'm telling them, I'm sending word. They got to help you in this work. We read that uh, yesterday in yesterday's um, lesson. So, so anyway, King Darius issues this decree after the search has been made. And I want you to see how good God is. He boomeranged it back upon them. If you'll notice, and, and God can do that. He can take what the enemy meant for evil and turn it back for our good. Hallelujah. He loves to boomerang things back on their own head um, of you know, those that are opposing his work because of his promise and his favor to those who are faithfully honoring him and fulfilling his, his work. So he boomerangs it back on him. And, um, and I want to read you verse 6 through 12 of Ezra chapter 6. Verse 6 through 12. Notice what God does for them in terms of boomeranging back. It says this, Thou therefore, Tetanai, governor of the region beyond the river, and Shethar, Bosnai, I don't know if these are pronunciations correctly or not, but, and your companions, the Persians who are beyond the river, keep, your, keep yourselves far from there. Let the work of this house of God alone. Let the governor of the Jews and the elders of the Jews build this house of God on its site, on its original site, which was the Temple Mount, the same threshing floor that David built, bought from Ornan and the same place that Abraham had offered Isaac on the altar in Mount Moriah. Then he goes on in verse 
8 and says, Moreover, I issue a decree as to what you shall do for the elders of these Jews for the building of the house of God. Let the cost be paid at the king's expense from taxes on the region beyond the river. This is to be given immediately to these men so that they are not hindered. And whatever they need, young bulls, rams, and lambs for the burnt offerings of the God of heaven and wheat, salt, wine, and oil, according to the request of the priest who are in Jerusalem, let it be given them day by day without fail, that they may offer sacrifices of sweet aroma to the God of heaven and pray for the life of the king and his sons. Also, verse 11, I issue a decree that whoever alters this edict let a timber be pulled from his own house and erected and let him be hanged on it and let his house be made a refuge heap, a refuse heap because of this. And may the God who causes his name to dwell there destroy any king or people who put their hand to alter it or to destroy this house of God, which is in Jerusalem. I, Darius, issue a decree and let it be done diligently. Now, in those days when a king would issue a decree, it could not be revoked. It was absolutely right then and there, you know, forever established as the law of the land. And so when they get this back, they might have pouted and they might have gotten mad and they might not have liked it, but they had to obey it. And they did. So God completely turned it around for the people of God who were in obedience and who had come back at the, at the command of the Lord through King Cyrus and through even King Darius here. It was God who was pulling the strings. It was God who was in control. And so, hallelujah, after that, from verse 13 to 18, we see where they finished rebuilding the temple, dedicated it to God, and reinstituted the worship and the service that King David had set in order. Now, I want to just point out one thing about this. It's important that we understand a little bit about this because it, it becomes very important when we get to one particular chapter in the New Testament because if you'll remember, the New Testament was this, is that same temple that, I mean, the, the New Testament temple is this temple that Zerubbabel built. Herod embellished it, but Zerubbabel built it at this time period after the Babylonian captivity. And so we'll see um, something when we get to the New Testament that's very important that helps us understand why it was important to reestablish these things in the temple that Zerubbabel built. Then we find out that the people of God returned to God in worship and even in the keeping of the feast as the Torah had commanded them. Praise be to God. Um, in chapter 7, then also in verse 1 through 10, we find out about how... Ezra tells us about his own journey in the time frame of when he actually came back to Jerusalem. He wasn't there from necessarily all of everything that, that's talked about in Chronicles and in um, Ezra and in Nehemiah and in Haggai and in Zechariah and in Daniel and in Jeremiah and these other places, the prophetic words and, and the other historical um, words that we have from some of those other books. But he did come back. And so he tells us in verse seven, in chapter 7 about his journey back. And when he came, he gives us the timing of it. This happened in the seventh year of King Artaxerxes in the fifth month of that year. Also in verse 9, we note that his journey, notice this, was a full four months just for the travel alone. 
And, and we see a connection to that when we get to Matthew chapter 2, because there was a, another group of people that made a trip from Babylon in the east to Jerusalem. And so now we have a basis for understanding their travel time. Now, remember, when they came to honor the birth of Jesus Christ, remember the Bible, they did not come at his birth in, in the stable, in, uh, in the manger, in the tower, wherever it was. They didn't come there. The Bible says they came to the house and they saw the young child. And they also reported that the star had led them and it had appeared about two years ago. So when you consider their study time to research this star, to study the transcripts, to study the Hebrew scrolls, whatever, um, and then you look at their preparation time for the journey and gathering the escorts that they would need and the accompanies that we, they would need and the gifts that they were going to bring, all of that took time. And then they had the travel time, which according to this here tells us it was about four months of travel time, actual travel time. So that's where we believe that they came when Jesus was uh, probably between 18 months and two years old. Now, I want to read you um, also, just as we begin to draw to a close, I wanted to tell you about a little more about Ezra. The, um, there are some things in the latter part of chapter 7 that are neat that we can understand about Ezra. And uh, one of them, I just want to read you verse 10 and 11. It says this in verse 10, For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach statutes and ordinances in Israel. And then he goes on and he records some things from Artaxerxes. This is a copy of the letter that King Artaxerxes gave Ezra the priest, the scribe, expert in the words of the commandments of the Lord and of his statutes to Israel. How did Ezra become a, an expert in the word of God? Well, you know, there's a scripture in the New Testament that tells us how. And it says to study, to show yourself approved of God. That's what Ezra did. Ezra prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord. Ezra was intentional about studying the scriptures. Beloved, we need to learn from Ezra's pattern here. Because he was a seeker of God's word. But not only a seeker. He didn't study to just have knowledge. He also studied to do it. And then to take it beyond that step. And then to share it with others and teach them. So that they too could do it. He also was listed to be a priest of the line of Aaron. And he was a scribe, one of those that would transcribe the scriptures. And beloved, that's another way to, to study the scriptures is to rewrite it. Because, you know, we, we remember things that we hear. Um, we remember things that we see and read. We remember things that we rewrite. There's lots of ways for us to get the scriptures into our minds and into our hearts. And Ezra, uh, he had made it a point. He was intentional about the word of God, about his love for the Lord, and about getting it into his heart and then sharing it with other people. So in doing that, he was definitely approved of God. And we see that just like the New Testament promises to those who will seek the Lord. 
And we can see that he was approved of God by the great favor that Artaxerxes gives him throughout the letter that's recorded from King Artaxerxes to Ezra and for Ezra in the rest of chapter 7. And after King Artaxerxes sends this letter with Ezra um, on his behalf, I want you to see how the how Ezra and the other Jewish leaders or whatever responded. I want you to see how they took that. And they weren't prideful about it. They didn't say, oh, well, I'm so great of an expert in the law of God, and I'm a, a scribe of scribes, and I've just, I've just got all this wonderful favor. They didn't do it with pride. They didn't do it with, with arrogance or any of that. I want to read you the last little bit of chapter 7 to show you how humble they were and how grateful they were and how they recognized and gave honor to the one who had blessed them with this favor. It says in verse 27 of chapter 7, Blessed be the Lord God of our fathers, who has put such a thing as this in the king's heart to beautify the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem, and has extended mercy to me before the king and his counselors and before all the king's mighty princes. So I was encouraged as the hand of the Lord my God was upon me, and I gathered leading men of Israel to go up with me. So Ezra recognized this isn't about me at all. This is God's favor because it's all about him and his will being done. I just happen to be a servant, and he just has blessed me with great mercy and favor to accomplish this work. Beloved, we need to recognize that whatever God gives us and whatever favor we can walk in, and beloved, if we are believers in Jesus Christ, we do have the favor of the Lord. And sometimes we might get out of fellowship with him and he has to discipline us. He has to bring us back to repentance. But John, 1 John 1, 9 says that if we, if we repent, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So he's always doing that for us. And he's pouring his favor and his blessings upon us because we are his. And more so as we set our hearts like Ezra did and to prepare to seek him and to do his word and to live a life of obedience and a lifestyle of honor to the Lord. He will reward us with honor and favor and mercy in the sight of others around us, just like he did for Ezra. And when he does... We do not need to be proud or arrogant about it. We simply need to recognize it's the favor and blessing of the Lord and give God thanks for it. And I pray that this has been a blessing to you today and that you can join me again for future episodes of Bible Bites as we continue reading through the scriptures this year. God bless you.